0: Welcome to a transforming word with Pastor Bill Buffington. This program is a Ministry of Calvary Chapel Inglewood. Today on a transforming word.
1: If Jesus moves inside my life and your life he's going to start cleaning up there's no doubt when when I got saved and Christ moved in he looked around and said, oh this is terrible <laughs> this, is, this place is a mess I got work I got my work cut out and he went to work. That's what he does right and we, we call it the work of sanctification. That's the the spiritual terminology for it. But basically it's God moving inside you saying, now we got to get rid of that. Oh, we got to tear that down completely. And he just starts cleaning up and it'll be very evident in time Christ moved in there.
0: When you give your life to Jesus, you'll never be the same again. He changes you from the inside out. In the message today, Pastor Bill will challenge you to receive the word and allow your life to be completely transformed. Jesus overcame sin and death for you. What an amazing gift. What changes have you been compelled to make in your life? Some changes come easy and others require a step of faith. There's nothing that God can't do. Will you trust him as you move forward in your faith? Now, here's Pastor Bill in the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 12 for today's edition of A Transforming Word.
1: Verse 3, he says, Since you seek proof of Christ speaking in me, who is not weak toward you, but mighty in you, Verse four, uh, for though he was crucified in weakness, yet he lives by the power of God. For we also are weak in him, but we shall live with him by the power of God toward you. Uh, One of the things that they're doing now is they're they're challenging Paul's apostleship. Rather, he was or was not an apostle. And Paul said, look, since you seek proof of Christ speaking in me, they they're saying, Paul, how do we know that Christ has spoken through you? And what Paul's going to do is kind of turn it back on them. He's going to say, examine yourselves and just admit to verse five, rather you're saved. Because if y'all are in fact saved, I'm the one that led you to Christ. So you don't need any further evidence that Christ has spoken in me than that you're saved. And so even though these false apostles have turned, and I want you to consider what the enemy's done. The enemy has turned them against the one that actually led them to Christ. I spent I spent 12 years almost at Calvary Chapel down. My pastor is Jeff Johnson. And over those years, I've seen many divisions. I've seen many, uh, many attacks against the man and so forth and so on. Uh, many people turned against him for different reasons and whatnot. And as I was there, I was aware of a couple of things. And I even at times I had times where I struggled with certain things. I've never struggled with him and went to the Lord. Anytime I would go to the Lord, the Lord would show me like, now you tripping? You're tripping. He ain't saying, you know, that's just you, you know, sometimes I don't I may not have liked the decision he made. He he had me do some difficult things at certain times. And I was like, I don't think that's right. Cause I'm selfish, you know. He put me over all the youth ministries like you're over high school, young adults, junior high. And I'm like, that was cool. I'm over it. You know, I have oversight. I get to minister and everything else. But then he says, that guy needs to be fired, that guy needs to be hired. That's your job now. But that's my friend. Deal with it. I, I gotta go fire my friend. I gotta tell my friend that you're no longer gonna do this job. He's going to do it. God bless you. Let's, let's go out for coffee. You know, whatever. I didn't like that. I was like, I don't think that's right. I think you should do that. That's the other. You the pastor It's what you want. And I was I battled with stuff like that. And I remember taking it to the Lord. And the Lord was like, Mm-mm, you go do that. And this is what I here's the wisdom later on. I went and did it and I did it as unto the Lord. I I, I actually lost a friend. I told a guy I didn't tell him the pastor told me to say it. I just said, hey, um, I'm not going to have you do this anymore. You know, it's been a blessing. I you to pray about some other things. The Lord is changing things, which is true, and we're going to be giving someone else the opportunity, and we moved it around. In hindsight, if I had a said to him, you know, well, my pastor don't want you here no more, so he'd have been mad at him, and probably fell out of fellowship. But because I did it, he got mad at me, but he still went to church. So he continued to get ministered to, and, and, and grow in his walk with the Lord. He's alright now. He's, he's somewhere else doing something else. But at the time, I battled with that. And I realized that It's an ongoing thing where Satan is like, I want to I want to divide you from those that God put him in my life to minister to me and my family. And the enemy at times was trying to divide that and come against that. It can happen for you. Parents, parents are no doubt you are God's choice firsthand to minister to your children. God put you there first. You're the first line. If you're a mother or father, those kids, God gave them to you. And God wants you to pour into them and minister to them and, and build them up and correct them. And you're going to have a vantage point on their life that nobody else has. And so guess what relationship the enemy is going to try to divide? He's going to try to mess that up because nobody cares for them like you do. No one no one loves them with as pure love as you do. No one wants to see them make it and do well as bad as you do. So Satan's like, I got to divide. I got to mess that up. He's always going to be after that relationship. So you got to pray about, pray over your kids. Pray, pray for the situation that they get and protect the relationships that you have with them because they're God-ordained relationships. And so I would just say this if we have to move on, is any relationship that God sets up for, for, for his purposes in your life. Uh, it may be pastor to person. It may be those that are discipling and ministering to you spiritual things. You, you want to give extra grace in those relationships and, and room for a little headbutt here and there and get over it and some personality exchanges here and there, but realize that God has given me these relationships for my spiritual well-being, and I, I got to be careful to guard them, not not let the enemy get involved in these relationships, because that's what he wants to do. That's what happened in Corinth. They, Paul, we know, no doubt was anointed by God to be the man to minister to them. And these false teachers have come in and convinced them that how do we even know that God has really spoken through you? Paul's like, you got to be kidding me. I, got, I let all y'all to Christ. Are you kidding me? You know, so this is what he says in verse five. He says, examine yourselves. As to rather you are in the faith, test yourselves. Do you not know yourselves that Jesus Christ is in you unless indeed you are disqualified? Old King James says, um, you know, reprobate here. The idea is this. He says you examine yourselves. Right. Do you not know that you are in the faith? And I want you to notice how he turns it back on them. I want you guys to examine yourself. Take a look at yourself. Do you not know that you're in the faith? And as they would examine themselves, and I believe Paul knew, confirmed that they were indeed in the faith. Paul says, well, there's the evidence that God has spoken in me to you. The fact that y'all are saved is my evidence. Now, I I just want to give this out. How can we how do we test ourselves or prove ourselves that we are saved? Are we in the faith? And he answered it in the same verse. He says, test yourselves. Do you not know yourselves that Jesus Christ is in you? The evidence that you're actually born again is that Christ lives in you. And so what's the evidence of Christ living in you? And I'm going to throw this out to you guys. How do we know if Christ lives in you? What is he doing in you? What is the evidence that he lives in you? What do you guys think? Fruit of the spirit. Okay. So there'll be fruit coming out of our lives. What else? How do we know? The conviction of the Holy Spirit. You you have a conviction about things you didn't used to have a conviction about. Um, give me one more. How do we know Jesus is living in us? Yes, sir. Just the, the constant ongoing work of the Holy Spirit within us. You can't be the same, right? If God moves in, you won't be the same. How many of you guys know friends or people that will come over to your house and just start cleaning dishes and washing and stuff? You guys got friends like that? That when they come, they just start figuring out something to do? If y'all, that's, those are good friends to keep around, you know, especially after the holidays, right? I know a couple people like that. They'll come and they just, they just, it's like they can't help themselves. They come and they see dishes in there, they just start, Doing dishes, we're like, no, you a guess. no. Nope, got to do the dishes, got to clean them up. I'm like, invite them over. You know, just, we tired this weekend, you know, but they're gonna come start cleaning up. That's just what they do, right? God, when He, if Jesus moves inside my life and your life, He's gonna start cleaning up. There's no doubt when when I got saved and Christ moved in, He looked around and said, Oh, this is terrible. This is, this place is a mess. I got work. I got my work cut out, and He went to work. That's what he does, right? And we, we call it the work of sanctification. That's the, the spiritual terminology for it. But basically, it's God moving inside you saying, now we got to get rid of that. Oh, We got to tear that down completely. And he just starts cleaning up. And it'll be very evident in time, Christ moved in there. It ain't the same. It's not, that's not what it was last year. What I'm concerned about is someone that will say, hey, Christ moved in. Eh? If you took a baby on vacation, you know, like nothing's cleaned up, everything looked the same. That's a concern because it's, it's, it's an evidence that we look for. When you go through scripture and you look at those that got saved, had an encounter with the Lord, it was pretty radical, the transformation. Zacchaeus was a tax collector, ripping people off, taking more than he deserved. He gets saved. And he doesn't just stop tax, he starts giving back the money, plus some to people. He went from being greedy enough to steal to being generous enough to give plus, give, give, give more than what was owed back. That was the work of God, not greedy no more, not stealing anymore. Now giving right. Paul was zealous enough to kill believers for his religion. Right. He gets saved. And now he believes in Jesus enough to die for what he believes in. No longer hurting you. I'm willing to be hurt by you in order to see you saved. radical transformation. So when someone says, look, I got saved. I've been saved since I was 12. I'm looking looking at a life. It's like, man, there's no transformation. There's no surrender. There's no evidence that God is at work. You don't even look disturbed. Like, I know believers that are battling. You know, if you're a Christian, you're in sin. You're going to be miserable in sin because that that inner witness of the Holy Spirit is going to be just just on you. And you're not going to enjoy it like when you weren't saved. Right. I understand that can be the case. But when I see a person that's like, now you still enjoy it. They don't look like there's no conviction about it. If we didn't bother you about it, you would be fine going on. I'm saying you probably need to be born again. And that's important to note because he says you can examine yourself, whether Christ is inside you. Does he live here? It's just going to be different. And if it's not different, then you should you should raise suspicion. Anybody here that Christ lives in you, you'll know. There are things that I would do if he didn't live in me. There are things that before he moved in, I wasn't convicted about. Now I am convicted about. There are things that are still part of my, 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 there are things that are still kind of part of my nature. But they're sinful. And so the the I still live in this flesh. And so that the natural sinful part of me, I still think like that. I still those things still come across my mind. But the Holy Spirit is saying, don't you know, you know better. Do no, You bet not. I know you can you can you can the, the, the have the feeling is OK. You can feel like you want to do that, but you bet not bet not act on it. Right. There are things that happen and they're still there's the old man still wells up. Old man and his pride still wells up. And I'm going to say, I'm going to do. And God's like, you better sit down and be quiet. You know, I, now I, that all happens inside here. You know, I'd be on the outside obedient, doing all right. But inside is a war, you know, so I know the Holy Spirit lives there because when he didn't live there, I did what I wanted to do and didn't. I never felt bad. I didn't feel bad about sin. I actually felt good about it, you know, especially if I got away with it. You know, so everybody here can examine yourself. And if there's any question in your heart, right, If you examine yourself. Say, you know, I, I don't know then you need to know. You need to get born again. You, it's, it's, God has made it simple. He said, look, you ask me. Ask me to forgive you. I want to forgive you. I died to forgive you. Ask me to come inside. I, I will come inside today. right? It's by faith that we receive him into our lives, into our hearts, into our. by faith. God, I believe you died. I believe I'm a sinner, that you died in my place. You rose from the grave, and I, I receive you. He will come in. God doesn't turn anybody away. He says, all who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And so anybody that says, Lord, I want you, He's like, that, that's what I, I died for you. So I want you to. So if there's a question in your mind, then please don't don't leave here today without settling. That's the biggest thing. That's the most important thing you'll do. This side of eternity is to, to, to make sure that you're right with God, that your relationship with the Lord is is right. So again, verse five, examine yourselves and rather you're in the faith. He says first examine yourself. Then he says, test yourselves. Do you not know yourselves that Jesus Christ is in you unless indeed you are disqualified? That word, it means basically that you're unapproved or rejected, cast away. And so, you know, you either. And I want you to know this, that you're either in Christ or not. There is no middle ground. Right. There's no place in the middle. There's no um, some people like, well, I'm still kind of deciding I'm processing. I want you to understand what that means. Right. If you're if you're processing, you said no. Right. You're outside. You're not saved. You, so there are people that feel like they have this space of, like, yeah, you know, I'm just kind of, I'm taking it in. You know, I'm just going to process that stuff. I heard what you said. I'm, I'm processing it. And I'll let them know. I'll say, I want you to understand why you're processing everything. You're saying no to the Lord, right? That's your your process right now. And I liken it to this because it makes sense to us, right? Any man here that has proposed to a woman, you had a little bling you bought, you know, you made a sacrifice, you got on your knee, if you did it right. You had some smooth, smooth lines that you said, if you did it right. And once you got done doing all that, you were totally exposed. I mean, she can say yes or no. You know, and and there is really no other acceptable. If you if you on your knee with a bling out, saying how much you love her and want to spend the rest of your life with her and she says, "I'm processing this. I need a, I need a week to process." That's a no. That's a no, right? That's a that's a fail. She says, "I don't know. Let me let me think about it." That's a no. Anything other than what? Anything other than yes is no. Is unacceptable. Right. Getting back my ring. (laughs) I take it back. I take it all back. I mean, you know, whatever. So anything other than yes is no. That's the reality. So so with Jesus, right, hung out on a cross, stretched, stretched out for you and for me, shed his blood, died in your place to say to save you. And once you've heard that message and understand that he did that, anything other than yes, Lord. Yes, I receive you. Yes. Thank you, Lord. Please forgive me. Please. Anything other than yes to him is no. It's a slap in the face. So we want to be careful that you don't have time. You can't be you can't be processing and thinking about stuff. And, you know, you need this a decision. You, you receive the Lord or you reject the Lord. Amen. And so uh, and that's why there's no middle ground, you're either disqualified or you're in you're in the faith. So moving on, verse six, Paul says, but I trust that you will know that we are not disqualified. That's important. We. Paul is saying, look, I I trust that you'll know that we are not disqualified. Paul is aligning himself with them. He's basically saying, I believe that y'all are saved. I I know he knew he was saved. And when he says, I I trust that you'll know that we are not disqualified. I'm in this with you guys still. He's not. Paul's not trying to cast doubt on their salvation by the things that he's saying. And so I just want you to catch that verse seven. He says, now I pray to God that you do no evil. Not that we should appear approved, but that you should do what is honorable, though we may be, though we may seem disqualified. He said, look, I want you guys to do what's right. I want you guys to do evil. Not so that we look good. It's not Paul. I'm I'm not asking you these things so that, you know, so that impacts how we look. Um, I want you guys to be right for your own sake. It's not so that we look good. It's for your sake. I want you guys to be doing well. Verse eight, for we can do nothing against the truth before the truth. And Paul's whole ministry was about the truth. He was a minister of the word of God. He preached the truth. He says, look, I can't, I won't do anything against the truth. There's there's anything that we're doing here. We're not dealing with lies or made up things. We're dealing in the truth. He says, we can't do anything against the truth, but we do, we we work for the truth. That's our interest is for what's right, for what's true. Verse nine, for we are glad when we are weak and you are strong. And this also we pray that you may be made complete. Paul says, "We're glad when we're weak, but you're strong, right?" The idea there is this: Paul says, look, "I don't need to look like we're all that, and y'all. If y'all are y'all are strong, and we look weak, we're good with that. We just want you guys to be strong." And he 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 finishes up that that statement saying that you may also be made complete. If you look up that word "complete" at the end of verse nine, it's the idea there is strengthening, a perfecting of the soul through training, discipline, and instruction. He's basically saying, "I want you guys to be mature." Which is what any minister, any pastor would want. You want to see the people that you're pouring into and ministering to. You want to see them grow to a place of maturity. Uh, cause there's strength in maturity. There's a, there's a, there's a consistent there's a value in maturity that is not there in immaturity, right? If you see somebody that's, you know, in the faith or even with kids, I'll use that for instance. If you see kids that are just always doing silly things or whatever, it's like, they're immature. You know, we know that in time they'll mature. They'll grow up a little bit. They'll get a little better. Spiritual maturity is important, too. You see people that are spiritually immature, easily offended. A lot of the things you see in the flesh, you know, disagreeable, more carnal and fleshy. They're they're spiritually immature, but want to see you be made complete, want to see you mature, want to see you get to a place where you can you can take some difficult things. And the maturity that Christ has developed in you will enable you to handle a difficult thing. I, you know what? That's a difficult thing I'm dealing with. But thank God He's I'm growing and I'm maturing in my faith. And so though I'm going through this difficult time, the, the maturity that I have doesn't cause me to walk away from the Lord. It doesn't cause me to take a hiatus on God. It causes me to press into God even more. That's what maturity would do. Maturity will it'll change how you manage and deal with the difficult things that happen over the course of your walk with the Lord. See somebody that's saved and something bad happened and they they turn away from God or they get mad at God's immaturity. You know, what you want to do is turn towards him and press into him like Job did. Fall down and worship him. That's an evidence of maturity. God, I'm I'm gonna press into you through what I'm going through. And so Paul says, man, my heart for you guys is that you guys would be complete. You guys would mature. You guys would grow to that place. Verse 10. Therefore, I write these things being absent, least being present. I should use sharpness. According to the authority which the Lord has given me for edification and not destruction. And so, again, he says, I'm writing these things to you while I'm absent from you. I'm not present with you guys. At least being present. he says, I'll use sharpness. I don't want to have to come and, and like get at y'all with sharp speech. Uh, I don't want to have to come and be, you know, talking to y'all with difficult words. I remember um, when I was a kid, and I think they still do it now. They do. You know, when it was report card time in my school, they did parent teacher conferences and you know, for you know, if you a bad kid, you you loathe that day. That was the that was like the day where all the homework I lied and said I did was gonna be exposed. And all them days my mom said on my way out to go play, is your homework done? Yeah, yeah, I did on the way to school, mom. And I'll go outside and ride my bike. Where that was gonna be the day of reckoning, right? And usually for me, almost almost throughout elementary, you know, whenever there was a parent-teacher conference, it was almost always followed with a spanking. Because that's that's what my mom would go and find out all the stuff I was doing, and it was it was it would be a horrible ride on. My sister is a year older than me. So my sister would get straight A's, and her teacher would be sing her praises, and she's wonderful,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: And then she would go to my conferences and it was like, he's spitting spitballs, he's eating in class, he's missing assignments, you know, blah blah blah. And and we get in the car, and my mom is my sister's getting ice cream. I'm getting threats and, and evil looks, you know, whatnot. But there was one year, and I remember it, it was just one year. I had a, a, I had a fifth grade teacher named Miss Beasley over at St. Eugene. And for whatever reason, she had got through to me. She had, you know, through, a, through manipulating my recess and playtime and some other things, she had gotten a hold of me to where I was, I was obedient to her. I mean, I was gonna do my work, I was not gonna play. She just, she wasn't having it. She had figured me out, right? So I I was so excited that time, that year, that those parent-teacher conferences, I was like, you know, I should be getting some video games and some stuff. You know, I was excited for my mom to go meet with her and and hear how well I was doing. I was all up in her business, checking up the days before. You're going to tell my mom, blah, 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 blah. You know, I'm making sure it's going to be real good. That was the one time I could remember I was looking forward to it. Here's the thing. Whatever I was going to deal with with my mother was going to be a direct result of what I had done It wasn't really going to be her fault she was going to be reacting to what I had done so rather or not she got in the car and said oh you did a good job and let's go get frozen yogurt that was Hawthorne Mall we used to go to frozen yogurt place there back in the back in the day uh that was the treat you know or you know don't say nothing for the rest of the car ride when you get home go straight to your room that meant just go wait I'm coming and I'm coming I'm coming to see about you you know um, but that was going to be based on what I had done. Paul is saying, look, when I come, I don't want to have to use Sarsby. If I do, it's going to be based on what you did. It's going to be your fault. It's not going to be, it's not what I want to do. He, he recognizes the authority that God gave him is for their edification. But if need be, there would be correction. We need to all be aware of that within the the realm of of our walk with the Lord, that there is a place for people to correct us. There's a place for Christians to be corrected by other Christians, not just pastors, right? As brothers and sisters, when we see things wrong, there's a place when I see someone that's living in a way that's outside the word to say, hey, man, you know better than that. My kids can correct me. It's not a matter of age. It's a matter of spirit. It's a matter of the word. If my kids see me doing something out of sync with the word, they have a right to say, "Hey, Dad, what you doing?" The word says, "I'm not going to shoot them. I can't shoot them down if they're correct." You know, you know that you just have to receive that. So, age is irrelevant. There's not a, there's not levels, and it's not like, "Well, I'm a pastor, and you know, you're you're not, so you can't say nothing." No, we, we're brothers and sisters in Christ, and as brothers and sisters, if we see things not right, we have a right to go and say, "Hey, bro, let me talk to you. Pull your side, chop it up, do it in love, give them scripture, encourage them." You know, hey, this is this is. What I see, this is what should be. I'm pointing out to you in love. We all owe that to one another. It, 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 it should make all of us stronger and better if we can receive it. Amen? Amen? Problem is if you can't receive it. Problem is if you go grab a brother and say, hey, bro, so why you on my business, man? <laughs> you know, now you got to beat him up at church and then, you know, <laughs> just kidding. You know, that never happens, you know, but hopefully we'll have the heart that says, hey, I, I'm receiving those things that are beneficial. And I can tell you that over my, over the time of my walk with the Lord, the there are things that have punched me. Like, bam. It, it, ooh, that stung. But it was, it, you know, what it stung because it was true. Like, it, it rung true when I heard it. It rung true when it was said to me. And it was like, you know what? I just got to receive that. I just got to take that. You'll also know if you hear something that's not true. When things aren't true, they ring not true. I've had people just being, just making up stuff, you know. Hey, bro, I suspect. And I'm like, mm, nah. I had a guy, I was at another church, and I had the minister there tell me, and I was all excited. He said he had something he really wanted to talk to me about, and I was like, you know, I was excited, man. <laughs> Word from the Lord or something. I believe in the gifts, you know. And I went, and he said, man, there's a, there's a, there's a, there's a woman here. It's just I discerned there's someone here that, that, you know, she's you don't really you you're not, you're not involved in anything, but you just kind of you noticed her. And and I was like, huh? And I, I'm I'm being honest. I, I was like, I, I, didn't, I didn't see nobody worth looking at here, you know. To tell the truth, you know. <laughs>
0: You've been listening to A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. Today's message from the book of 2 Corinthians is available to listen to again on our website. Just visit calvaryinglewood.org and click on Teachings. Otherwise, you can download our mobile app to listen to more messages. Search for Calvary Chapel Inglewood in your app store. If you're looking for a place to connect this weekend, we'd love for you to join us for church. Look on our website for the latest information on service times and locations. We're a group of people who love to learn from God's Word and be together as the family of God. Again, our website is calvaryinglewood.org. As we looked into the book of 2 Corinthians, has it caused you to think about whether you honor your leaders? It's clear in this book that Paul felt disrespected as a leader and there were some who did not make it a joy for him to serve in leading them. God calls us to honor and respect the leaders God has put in place. Supporting those that God has positioned over you to shepherd you can bring about a great sense of godly unity. In fact, think about sending an encouraging note or message to those who are in a leading or shepherding position in your life. If you've noticed that this ministry has been a blessing to you, we're glad that we can be a part of that. Would you be praying for a transforming word? As the message goes out, many listeners may be hearing about the Lord for the very first time. Pray for open ears, soft hearts, and change lives. Thanks for your support of a transformed world.